the challenge that we are seeing ahead of us now uh, to to change transportation systems to electromobility is much much bigger than the the challenge of sending a man to the moon. Brian here. How are you doing, bud? I'm fine, thanks. Awesome. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This is Manny. Yeah, hi. Happy New Year. Hi, the same to you. Thanks. So, so what time is it by you right now, Matt? Uh, it's uh, 7 p.m. 7 p.m., okay. So w- what what time is it to your place? It is just hitting noon, just a couple minutes before noon. So ah. yeah, that's it's about yeah seven hours ahead. Um, so how has how has Friday been? Has it been a good day? I want to know what what to expect in the next. Yeah, seven hours. it's been been a great day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Of, I've been in, in a lot of meetings. Uh, had a good good conversations. Um, recorded one one podcast earlier as well. Oh wow! So you're super busy, and this is isn't that normal work time for you, right? So you're you're giving us you're giving us your personal time. Uh, yes, but um, right. I work uh, all, around the clock almost. <laughs> uh, at least <laughs> I, I often have meetings in the evening and uh, as well, so it's not a problem. Awesome. Well, Matt, welcome to the Business Line Podcast. We're super excited to have you here. Can't wait to talk about everything that you're uh, that just keeping you busy, because um, it's it's an important topic for the entire world, not just the UK, but it sounds like the UK is you know for better or for worse uh, making some moves and shaking and when it comes to environmental you know climate issues and and how it you know how to how to dictate that as far as how we get around in the world. <laughs> yes. So. Uh, share with us a little bit about yourself before we get into the deep topics. Tell, tell, tell us about yourself, how you got to where you are today, kind of maybe the roots of, of Matt's Larson. Yes, thank you. I'm, I've been working as a consultant uh, with the business development, uh, business strategy, change management for 30 years. And I started to, to think about what the amount of resources that would be needed in order to change transport systems to um, um, renewable fuels. Uh, I started to do that uh, almost 20 years ago. Uh, And I wrote my first book on this topic uh, called Global Energy Transformation in 2009. Uh, It was published by Palgrave. And I then wrote the second, The Business of Global Energy Transformation uh, in 2012. And I've continued to uh, explore uh, the amount of resources needed, uh, the amount of electricity needed, uh, and the grid capacity and so on that will be needed to uh, uh, drive all cars and trucks and buses on electricity. And a lot more uh, power will be needed than most people expect. And in the U.S., uh, according to to Elon Musk, in an interview at the conference CodeCon 2021, uh, he says that uh, uh, in the U.S. you'll need to double power production in mm. order to facilitate the, the complete uh, change to electric vehicle. And that means that you, you'll need... In the country, uh, in total, 4,000 terawatt hours, which is the power generated by 360 uh, nuclear reactors or 1.2 million uh, wind turbines. So that's really a lot. And he also said that it's uh, 
uh, there's a need to invest in all parts of power grids because a lot more electricity will be needed to uh, transmit and distribute to users than is the case at, uh, at present. So, um, so um, that has really, uh, I, I've really, I started uh, 18 years ago and not much has happened over the first of 15 of those years. But since 2020 or 2021, more people have taken an interest and more companies and, and experts have expressed their views on this, but it's still a really novel area to get into and more, much more, many more people need to um, engage with these uh, very important issues. Yeah. So what got you 18 years ago to the point where you were going to start pursuing this? Was it just something that was an interest or something early in your career that kind of led that direction or? No, <clears throat> actually, it, I read a book by an American author called, um, by the name of Richard Heinberg about the uh, imminent, uh, as he, he expected, imminent uh, um, peak in oil production, which mm. I, and, I, and I realized that if oil production was going to peak, which it will at some point, even though it hasn't, according to the, the forecasts made then uh, around 2001, 2002. But uh, I realized that if oil production is going to peak, we will need um, new transportation systems uh, that are fueled by other uh, fuels than uh, uh, than oil. And I I started to uh, take an interest in this because of that. And I, since then, the fear of the peak, peak in oil production has changed to the, the view that uh, we need to change <coughs> uh, transportation systems for uh, um, because of uh, environmental reasons. And so, uh, but the activities and the investments that will be needed in order to achieve the change uh, are the same regardless of the of the um, cause of the change so uh, uh, I've, it, it turned out I, I've investigated uh, an area that's really gained in in interest and and that's really important um, at present in your opinion, because you've obviously done years and years of work, much more than myself, much more than Manny. We're very much laymen, but we pay attention to, you know, to the headlines and, you know, water cooler conversation and family conversation and friends and business, right? In your opinion, what do you, maybe I'm jumping too far ahead here, but what do you think is going to be the best way to generate the power needed like there's going to need to be infrastructure to support the power that runs everywhere right we talked about that if we're going to move to 100 percent electric and that's just in automobiles or mobility type of things maybe not even counting industry maybe because industry has to support the power generation right and so yes. you, you mentioned uh two of the things in your in your uh your u.s uh example nuclear and wind right but there's lots of others what, do you, in your opinion, what's the best option right now? Well, I believe there's a number of different generation technologies will be needed uh, because I'm not an expert in this myself, but uh, I've discussed it with the professors uh, 
in in the area and practi- practitioners at utilities and i believe that um, um there is definitely a need for a base load uh at all times that secures the access to a base load of electricity and that can't be supplied by intermittent uh, generation technologies like uh, wind or solar uh, so uh, and there is a need for a, ba- a base load in the form of large heavy turbines because they do not they, they provide also the balancing of the grid uh, mm-hmm. so so they maintain the frequency of of the power grids uh, in a way that that for example if you store wind power or solar power in batteries and uh, the batteries wouldn't supply the the um, the base load and the balancing in the in the way that's needed for the frequency to, to re- remain stable uh, so some form of base load and that the most obvious uh, source of, of base load would be um, nuclear power um, mm-hmm. or, or uh, hydroelectric. But mm-hmm. as we all know, there's a limited uh, resource for hydroelectric power. And many of the places where you can um, generate uh, hydroelectric power are, are, have already been used. So um, re- whether we, we like it or not, it seems as if we we need nuclear uh, power um, as base load uh, mm-hmm. to to a certain extent, and the more wind and solar we use, the more base load uh, we need, and we also need balancing power to to balance out the uh, the periods during the week or day when uh, uh, solar or and and wind doesn't gen. gen- do not generate enough. So uh, um, I think we, we definitely need need um, wind and solar, and we need to, to expand those. And there's the advan- advantage of uh, solar that it can be built within, uh, within uh, um, um, urban areas, because then you don't need to expand uh, the capacity of, of power grids as much as you'd need if you have to um, transmit all your uh, electricity from remote locations, uh, nuclear mm-hmm. reactors, wind, wind, um, wind parks, and so on. Uh, but um, so, so there, there needs to be a, a certain level of ingenuity in in the development of these systems. And I've seen a need for a new type of role here uh, of of electrification strategists and electrification architects, people who are able to develop the structures of these systems in a way so so that they become um, cost-effective and user-friendly. Interesting. the, another question that I have uh, is for you, again, living in this world and you know con- constantly being immersed w- by it, is how do you feel about um, the, the, the coming about of this from a standpoint? What do you feel is a better way? Dic- governments dictating hard stops or markets getting to a point where the barrens of the markets tells 
what what's working what's not and when we, you know what i mean like a gradual lean into it and a sunsetting of old technology that that proves to be outdated and not efficient and not best for the environment and things like that and that's a very good question and uh, i think both can be used but if governments dictate a hard stop for a technology uh, they will also need to make some type of plan for the um, um, for, for the uh, uh, change oh, changeover process from the old technology to the uh, to the new technology it's very it will be very problematic and chaotic if governments say we we can we, we need to um, uh, ban the sales of new petrol and diesel cars from uh, 2035 and then it turns out that it can't be done there will not be enough uh, power there will not be enough um, grid capacity that we can't install enough uh, charges in time for to make it possible for all cars from the from that point to um, that are bought from that point and up until that point uh, to be charged uh, with electricity uh, and I of it's not much di different from the situation where in 1961 when John F Kennedy se uh, challenged the um, American nation to p send a man to the moon and bring him safely back to Earth w uh, before the end of the decade um, it's he then said okay before the end of the decade we will send a man to the moon we need to develop the uh, uh, technologies uh, needed and if he'd only left it at that he uh, it wouldn't have succeeded but he gave the nasa the um he challenged nasa with the task of of um, achieving this and he gave them the budget to do it and that combination building the resources and making nasa able to to uh, fulfill this this challenge or or take on this challenge was was necessary for for the uh, for the program to succeed uh, in that short space of time and and in the, in the same way if governments want to ban the sales of new petrol and diesel cars from 2035 they will also need to at least coordinate and make sure that all the activities that will be necessary um, will be will be done yeah, you know, it's an interesting, I, I like the example you gave there of the sending a man to the moon. I can see a certain parallel, but if we played with that a little bit, imagine if John F. Kennedy would have said on a scale that we're looking at here, by in 15 years, we need to be able to send every person in the UK to the moon and back, right? Yes. That's, that's, that's what we're talking about from a, a scale, right? From a standpoint Absolutely. of like the, the roam of current transportation economies wasn't built in a day and f from now even now in 2023 or even back in 2021 or 22 to 35 that's a that's a blink of an eye if i look at my life 12 years ago it feels like i, I went to bed and woke up 12 years later that's how you know in hindsight how fast it gets when you know that you start rolling down that hill faster as you get older but and all you know kidding aside 35 is going to come fast and yes. for for a, 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 even a country the size of the UK that's again landmass size not that big 
it's quite a few people for that for that island um but it would say someone like the u.s or looking at a country like where manny's from india for to make a real like we want to make an impact right if, if it's going to make an impact okay uh, from a being a leader it's always important to lead from the front and the u.s feels it needs to do that and the uk is still a very influential country in the world uh global scale but the the big countries are going to have to want to play ball or we're just not going to even be a drop in the bucket of actual impact when it comes to doing this. Yes. Right? Yes. And you, where's that uh, going to put us from a standpoint of economic advantage? Yes. You, you really hit the nail on the head there because it, the challenge that we are seeing ahead of us now uh, to, to change uh, transportation systems to electromobility uh, is not, is much much bigger than the the challenge of of put, sending a man to the moon. Uh, so it's it's actually, as you said, it's a matter of uh, uh, get, turning eventually all 285 million uh, cars in the United States or all the 280 million cars in the EU, because the EU and the uh, UK have made the same deci- decision, basically to to ban the sales by uh, of new um, fossil fuel cars from two, uh, 2035. In the US, it's only California that have, have done that, as I understand it so far. And that decision has been made by air regulators and not by the government or, or by the the governor. Um, so so it's, um, uh, but but it, it's really a big challenge to, to try to make these huge systems competitive in terms of of cost efficiency and and make develop um, user friendly systems uh, on a, on such a large scale. That's you know, and I think the other part of this, you and I were talking about this, you know, getting getting ready to talk with you, Matts, is the way I put it is the juice worth the squeeze ultimately. Or are we just trading one sin for another, right? Meaning like. Um, you know, electric cars are cool. I've driven Teslas. There's a lot of them that I'd still like to drive. I think they're fast. Man, I have a big top speed, but man, they got some torque and they get you from zero to, to you know, eyeballs in the back of your head pretty fast. <laughs> and they can be fun. They can be cool. They can look really cool. I love technology. I've got way too many screens in my house and in my pockets and everywhere else. But at the same time, are we just replacing one thing that works really well not perfect, which most that's the way that's generally the way things work in the world that in the physical world we live in is you can there's pluses and minuses to everything. And, you know, electric mobility comes with both because there's there's a upside and there's a downside. So in your opinion, Matt's is the juice worth the squeeze ultimately? Are we are we just going to to morph and shift economies of scale and all these kind of things to be in a place where we're just going to be looking at, man, now we're running out of lithium. Now we're running around out of these resources. Now we're paying people too little money to get, get us the res- all these kind of things that we're learning about that we don't even know about yet. Yes. Right. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, I don't have the answer to um, whether the, the juice is worth the squeeze, but it's, there are, None of us do, but we have uh, thoughts, right? What, what are yeah, your exactly. thoughts? Yeah, exactly. I, I think the only effect or the only co- consequence of, of this change will not, not be um, a more sustainable society. There, there will be a lot of consequences that lawmakers don't seem to have 
thought about because banning the sales of new fossil fuel cars will actually mean that a lot of people will get unemployed. Uh, people who are now uh, employed making uh, making uh, engines for um, fossil fuel cars, uh, people who are employed in, in the, uh, suppliers uh, for components and, and subsystems for, for those uh, cars. And those are millions. It's, it's, I mean, it's like, and, and they are concentrated in particular areas like Detroit uh, in uh, the US and, and well, and there's a roll down effect, right? Think about how yeah. many, because when you when you get once you get into electric cars, you see more and more automation in the driving and the transportation of things, and you got the shipping industry. Millions of people in the U.S. their their livelihood is driving trucks, and mm -hmm. you turn those to electric, and all of a sudden those are driving themselves, and all of a sudden you got people out of work. So it's a whole other thing too, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There are yeah. so many areas that uh, that get effect, uh, affected and people uh, so far I, I read a, a report today or an article citing a report by uh, the consulting company uh, uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers um, they are that said that uh, a lot of money will be saved by using um, electric cars by 2040 and but <laughs> there are so many other costs uh, connected to this, like the uh, unemployment we're talking about in the automotive industry and in the transportation industry and the cost of, of changing all these things. So um, it's not very likely that we will see a cost saving short term or that, that well, of course, a lot of, of jobs will be generated by, by the increase yeah, in, in yeah, electric yeah. cars and, and the, the need to expand um, power grids and charging infrastructure. We, we will need many more electricians than we have. I, I mean, there will be a, a tremendous shortage. And, that's, and I, Manny, I'm sorry if I'm talking too much for you, but no, like that's, that's I, I completely agree with you. And we'll, if we go back to talking about creating hard, governments creating hard stops to do this, what you do is you artificially impose uh, a deadline onto something and you don't get and then you, you a lot of times we find with governments when they do that is like they do a really bad job of it we're going to do this and we're going to provide this and all of a sudden it's terrible everybody's waiting in line for some cheese right like in this case when you I so my opinion again it's of little value ultimately but my opinion is when you let markets properly regulated struggle through the hard work of getting to the right place then you have a crossover you have you know th that technology is getting better and more used and then you have you know, as you're losing those jobs you're creating more jobs and then you have time to carry over and retrain and reposition you know but when you for instance over here what happened is you know certain government uh parties and officials are going to cut coal production just turn it off and then all of a sudden you have mass poverty in certain parts of the country and then you have drug uses increase and you have all these other things that are just killing people and then you have no time to retrain a skill set that's been used to going in and working really hard in extracting coal to sitting in front of a computer regulating a screen that's generating electricity you know like whatever that looks like mm. um, or learning how to engineer things to to or, or maintain or all of all those things so when you when you don't allow that to happen 
Yes. You cause I problems. Think, I think this, this change is of such a magnitude that it would be difficult to get because <laughs> this change means that some industries will, will go down the drain, basically. It's like we won't need oil, so the oil industry uh, does, uh, will not be needed to any big extent. Uh, so, and that's difficult. That type of situation is difficult to regulate, uh, or to, to get to re- regulate through the market uh, forces because they will struggle against this type of of change. And- Do you think the oil industries will shift their production to other things like more plastics, more other things that because oil's everywhere? They need to. We still find have to burn something. it. Yeah. But the 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 problem is to for them. Of course, the challenge will be for them to find big enough new markets and big enough opportunities to invest in, and and so so. But th- there's also this issue that uh, the the um, incumbent auto companies have have delayed their entrance and their their um, um, well in, their investments in. Uh, electric cars, so that Tesla has taken a, a big uh, <clears throat> a grip on the market, basically, because the, Tesla sells more than a million cars per year, and they're all fully electric. Whereas General General Motors, uh, Ford, Volkswagen, and the others, they sell only a fraction of those, and they're divided between many more uh, different mo- models. So Tesla is profitable but all the other uh, auto companies seem to uh, lose money on their uh, electric cars and it will be really difficult for um, the incumbents to take back the uh, those uh, um, market shares and it's going to be really um, difficult for for them because Volkswagen are are complaining for, for example that uh, the sales of their electric cars is not uh, are not uh, increasing rapidly enough. Uh, Ford uh, projected a loss of sixty thousand dollars per uh, electric car sold in uh, two thousand twenty three, uh, early in in the year. And uh, Stellantis, the owner of Chrysler, Fiat, um, Peugeot, and Citroën for example, they said that the old uh, car market may collapse in 2035 if cars, electric cars don't go down in price enough for um, uh, the majority of buyers to be able to afford them. So there's a big challenge for the, um, uh, for the incumbents in this industry to um, uh, take back the uh, market shares they, they have lost and start to make money on their uh, on uh, electric cars so yeah basically you know what you're saying is right now this ev market is only for luxury people who can afford luxury i mean that's or how people I see have it. a certain mindset yeah, mindset right? mindset and luxury you yeah. know like uh, it's a luxury product tesla is the luxury product it's not for everyone everyday use every you know like everyone cannot afford that well when i bought my truck last year mm-hmm. when i my old truck was it was time to get a new one i was considering the lightning I thought the Tesla truck looked cool, but it wasn't ready yet. It's, you know, it's like now I think it's finally starting to ship or whatever. But like, I was like, okay, the Ford Lightning looks cool. It's got a neat features. I could run my house on it for a week if we ran out of power, all this cool stuff. But then these 
the use cases started to come. Yeah. People in cold climates, like it, a big truck towing something, doing the filling up the bed like you do. Like I have a truck, I have a big family. I'm constantly filling up the back of the truck. Like I've, that's what I need. And, yeah, I mean, and the the people are returning the, their trucks yeah. because they're just not, yeah. the tech isn't there yet. Technology is there, but it's, it has not been tested yeah, yet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have to, if you can rely on, you, you know, in order to rely on a technology, it needs to be tested for, you know, a couple of decades. Well, that, before, think, you know, about, think about the car yeah. industry that we have today. Yeah. You know, in the late 1800s, early, early 1900s, horse and carriage. People that had cars or the horseless carriage, they were laughed at. Mm-hmm. They were kind of the butt of jokes. That's never, you're idiots. That's not going to stick. <laughs> well, like it was literally like you were, you were a joke if you had a horseless carriage and it didn't happen overnight. It took time took years, to catch time, on. Time, and time. So yes. It took time. And because people kind of think, well, the car was invented in 1914. No, 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 no. It was decades and decades before that, that they, they kept pushing it and they, they yes. had electric vehicles back then, but they couldn't, the technology wasn't there yet. And so anyway, Absolutely. The, you know, like uh, the resources to support that technology was not there. I mean, right now, yeah. how many EV stations are there? Well, look at electricity when everything was whale blubber, yeah. you know, it took time. Yes. Anyway, I, I have a, a really, uh, I have a quite inexpensive electric car, but it's still 50% more uh, expensive than a similar, um, what do you drive, car. I drive a Renault Zoe. Uh, it's okay. a small car. Um, what are uh, what are its kind of whatever its what are its stats? What what can it do for you? Distance and all that kind of uh, stuff. And it well in in the summer it I can drive as uh, two hundred miles on one okay. uh, charging and it's it's a five-seated uh, car but it's uh, and it's, uh, it's like it's a not, hatchback or sedan yes, or? it's a hatchback it's hatchback, okay. it's small uh, but and there are now uh, bigger uh, electric cars as well but sure. they're all significantly more expensive than uh, I would have uh, to drop a hundred grand US to get a Ford Lightning a, like yeah. a relatively good equipped Lightning with a good enough battery you know because I'm driving hundreds of miles sometimes mm-hmm. a day or more but that yes. i mean it, it, you're right the, that, and that's that's one hurdle price and then i think it's still the jury's still out on longevity i think teslas and stuff have been around 10 plus years now long enough where people are starting to kind of their batteries are going or they're trading in i think we've seen some of it from the 90s and early 2000s with hybrids you know like toyotas yeah. and their hybrids replacing batteries um the yeah, degra- I just, I, degradation of batteries is not as bad as people thought um, uh, early in the does development. It, does it kind of turn into cell phones or like a DVD? Like <laughs> you look at your, te- your let's say, take your computers, your laptops. Every three years we're replacing them because they become obsolete. The mm-hmm. software that runs them or the chips, the hardware that runs them become obsolete to run what's now. So mm-hmm. at what point if... If our, our, if our transport I was telling Manny this too I was like can you see somebody 40 years from now having a Tesla Model S from 2013 still on the road no the software is not going to run the chips aren't going to be good in, like it's not like you can grab an old 65 Mustang here in the US and people are well keep it running you know yeah. what I mean well uh, you have you sh- I think you we should have a similar situation with electric cars as we have with gasoline cars because we have 
like 1500 uh, semiconductors in uh, any car uh, at present mm-hmm. and it's there are a few more needed in uh, an electric car um, because uh, you have to run the um, um, the electric motor and the battery and charging procedures and so on but there are still one about 1500 um, chips in a, a gasoline car so and we don't expect experience that they would become obsolete in the way that we uh, uh, that computers do uh, what, I think- if, what if Renault said Matt's we're no longer supporting your car it's end of life just like the emails we get from Microsoft or yeah. Apple it's end of life <laughs> it won't run on this version anymore and as of um, as of 12 p.m. Uh, January 6th um, uh, your your vehicle's now end of life. We're turning off the servers that support the software that run your car. Yeah, but the, I think the difference between computers and cars is that uh, it, for computers, we're dependent on the storage capacity and the uh, c- the capacity of of uh, uh, processors and and so on. Whereas in in um, cars. We don't have any of the, that. Any of that. We we can uh, run a car. The 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 software there is ba- is there to uh, control the functionality of the car. And if the we, network we is down for defa- Renault, will it still run? I'm just wondering. I'm, yeah. I'm just no, no. I I don't have the definite answer. I just yeah. I I think there's a difference uh, because you that there's not a need at all uh, at any particular point. To upgrade your your car because the, your memory uh, you run out run out of memory or because you uh, you can't use uh, you can't run uh, Word uh, or the Office suite on a, yeah. <clears throat> on on an old uh, computer. So I don't think there's a really analog situation to that in the car, and I don't mm. think there would will necess- necessarily be a problem with upgrades and so on um but but i'm not sure uh, i think probably it's the, fascinating the big... to me because <laughs> it's, the jury's still out right we don't yeah. know yet and it, no, no, no. like i've always you know i think probably six or seven years ago was the first time i drove an electric vehicle it was tesla model s i was in there i thought it was the coolest thing ever it was neat it's weird no sound and all that stuff and but i still am not to the point where i trust it enough to where I'm, I want to change. I mean, I don't think the tech is there yet. I think it no, still no. takes too long to charge. I think it still doesn't go far enough. You know, that kind of a thing. So Yes, I, I, th- I think ba- the battery, battery development will be the biggest uh, uh, change uh, that will may make an electric car obsolete. If you, if you find, for example, batteries back in, uh, 10 years back, had only 50% the... Uh, uh, or maybe capacity, 30% yeah. the capacity uh, that they have at present. It wasn't until Tesla came, uh, entered the market, that we got um, electric cars with, um, say, 200 miles range on, on, the, on, a, on the battery. So um, they may, that may, th- there may be um, capacity issues with batteries and so on, and... and the need to change batteries, and you you have new technologies in in the future, uh, battery te- technologies or other technologies that may make you uh, uh, want to um, 
to change your car uh, or scrap the car. It's um, th there's also the development of of electric road systems. That's um, but but that will be beneficial, I think, if if that's if those uh, come online, because there is the idea that instead of stationary charging, we could perhaps use electric roads in the future where we can uh, um, can uh, charge while driving. That, that could, and yeah. those see, are that's, tested. That's a neat in, idea. In, yeah, but you still those have to be able to support the electrology, right? Yeah, that's what you know, like that, that, the end of the day. So, so that they, they would have many um, advantages, but it will also be a huge investment to build them. Matt, what? This is a cool topic that we've kind of transitioned to here. Um, uh, this, I, by the way, I'm having a lot of fun with this. This is really cool, and thank you, <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm not. I'm really not trying to be level advocate or anything like that. But this is this is this is important stuff. So, what are, what are your thoughts on, or how much have you learned about? This hydrogen fuel cell for electricity generation within within vehicles. Like it's it, it's something I know Toyota's working on, and probably a lot of other people. That's fascinating to me because yeah. hydrogen is easier to make, so it should be cheaper to provide and get a hold of. And anyway, so what are your thoughts? It's it may be easier to make, but it's really uh, electric electricity intensive to um, to make because if to drive. 10 kilometers or 10 miles on uh, uh, using a battery-powered uh, electric car, you you uh, you need a certain amount of, of power uh, to drive the same distance using a hydrogen fuel cell car. You'd need twice as much or more than twice as much power uh, to to uh, produce the hydrogen. So hydrogen is well, it's abundant, it's uh, everywhere, but you need to uh, tear it up tear it out of um, chemical um, um, you got to refine it right the same yeah. way we do so, with so, so you, you need electrolysis to uh, uh, separate the oxygen from the hydrogen in water or or uh, in other um, other liquids and and to do that you need a lot of uh, electricity so instead of doubling uh, the uh, electricity in order to Fuel all American cars by uh, all American vehicles with um, uh, electricity to use uh, battery electric uh, vehicles. You'd you'd need to tri triple um, uh, electricity production to use hydrogen. So that and there is no um, there is no uh, infrastructure at all for the large scale distribution and the large-scale production of hydrogen so we'd have to build that from scratch and I don't know how uh, to, uh, Toyota are thinking or other other companies are thinking about this because that's really time-consuming and and uh, well investment intensive um, effort that that would have to be done you know what I wasn't paying attention 15 years ago or 18 years ago when you got into this, Matt's, but it, I bet you it sounds a lot like what we were saying then. Yeah. Boy, that's just going <laughs> to yeah, be too yeah, much, yeah, right? So, and that's, I think it gets back to the fact that I think there's technologies, multiple technologies that we can leverage and, and the market can invest in. And it's like, it's like, make it a race, you know, hmm. like who's going to win this race? And because the best technology that's the most efficient, that's the most cost effective, that should win, right? It should, yes. Um, <laughs> it would be a very costly race because many technologies would be developed uh, 
a lot of money would be plowed into uh, technologies that wouldn't make it in the end. And I think we would end, end up with a really difficult situation where where we wouldn't have very well-functioning transportation systems um, a bit into the this development and we would would find that we had blown down um, huge amounts of money into um, technologies that were not uh, that that were not uh, of any use in the end so we could in the in the way that NASA did with the for the Apollo program they saw that they analyzed the different options and they they um, basically selected the technologies and the solutions that would would have to be used and because of the very short time frame they had to select and they had to um, procure the development of those technologies and and make sure that the, those technologies were um, uh, were developed to the point where they could make the trip to uh, uh, s- safely make the trip to the moon and back. You know so, what? I remember watching a thing with uh, Elon Musk a, a while back where he was talking about electricity and fuel and things like that. Yeah, obviously SpaceX, right? SpaceX ain't using electricity to get into space. The funny, right. the, the funny little, um, uh, th- you know, thing about it is that. <laughs> Hundred years ago, if we would have banned the use of fossil fuels and only limited to electricity, we'd never got to the moon. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, uh, it's it right is is a little bit of uh, uh, okay. So I I, I don't I, and I again I don't I don't disagree with with you at all, Matt. I think you're I think you're dead on. Like we like you don't want to throw a lot of money at a technology that's not going to to work. But what if this? Let's say let's play out a little scenario. What happens if the, the U.S., the U.K., let's say France and Germany, let's say they all decide by 3035, we're all going to get on board with it. It's going to make a coalition. It's going to be electric. Everybody who has a gas power car, we're going to give you a free electric. We're just going to make it work, right? We're just going to make you work, right? Make it work. The governments love to give away free stuff that's not free anyway. <laughs> um, but, and then, but you know what? China and India decides to say you guys have fun pound sand with that electricity we're staying on fossil fuels and we're gonna and we're gonna develop hydrogen based because japan's gonna help us out and they turn out to have the better um uh, the better more cost effective way and it just turns out to be better right because there's Mm. there's a lot of things that are changing even with fossil fuels um that um as technology comes on and they re- reuse um, the the carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide to produce more energy. There's lots of things that are going on. But what happens if we invest all of our time, energy, energy into banning and, and we, we essentially create a technology that we put all our eggs in that basket and it turns out to be not as good and all of a sudden now we're behind? Yes. <laughs> uh, we, we need to realize there are two different <clears throat> uh, types of development. There are things that change and improve and then there's physics and the laws of physics that don't Mm. so and you can for example you can improve the efficiency of of uh, petrol and diesel cars because they have uh what is it uh, energy efficiency of 25 percent or something like that so there's a huge room for improvement and you can can get a lot of more lot more mileage out of a of a petrol and diesel car well when you have uh, but with an electric car, it's 
really uh, different because you already have we already have 95% or more than 90% efficiency of electric uh, cars so we can't improve that very much so what if uh, the amount of electricity that's needed today we know that we'll need almost the same amount of electricity uh, in the future as well because that's a matter of physics we can't get beyond 100% uh, so there are things that we can can um, uh, change but there are also the laws of physics which we can't and I'm not sure but I think that there are uh, laws of physics that we could use the laws of physics to investigate how efficient can a hydrogen uh, car become and how how much <clears throat> this twice as, as much electricity needed to produce the hydrogen at, yeah producing yeah. it yeah can we get below can, can those can, can we uh, improve that so that it becomes just 1.5 or 1.3 could india uh, take succeed with that uh, and uh, or is it is it something that's um, set down by by the laws of physics uh, and we also know other things like the you know the learning curve um that every time we double the the number of units that have been produced of a product the um, cost of making them tend to be reduced by a certain uh, percentage so for example in, in a chip production you may have a percentage of of 30% every time you double the number of chips that have been produced um and that's a huge number of course in other areas you you may have 15 20% so you can um you can uh, for forecast the the improvements and you can also um well have a ballpark feeling of the likelihood that I think India the way that or the someone companies else are going to solve the the expense problem because when someone goes out and say, "Well, I don't want to pay fifty percent more for a vehicle that's basically the same size and whatever that I have now," I think the way that companies are going to do they're going to start if they a lot of companies are doing it already. I think they're going to sell them at a loss. And it's going to be an as a service model, just like you see with electronics. So. Some of the biggest electronics manufacturers and companies, they sell their things at a loss, but once they have that in the household, in order to use it or to use it to its best capacity, you get addicted to the service, then you're paying a monthly fee for the service. So the course of the lifetime of owning that piece of equipment, in this case, a vehicle, to, to properly use this vehicle, it's going to be $100 a month service fee to get access to everything you need, to be able to remote start it from your phone, to be able to use this, that, and the other thing. Uh, and that's going to that's going to bring the margins up because the money's in monthly recurring revenue, not in the one-time purchase. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. It's, uh, if you could create that and if companies could like sell the cars and then make a monthly revenue on, uh, on services, that would, would be a, a tremendous, uh, business idea, uh, or a business model for, um, uh, for car uh, car makers, but so far that hasn't been uh, the case, and uh, I don't know. I don't see that coming. Well, you know, I just I just got my wife a new a vehicle for Christmas, and uh, in order to use the mobile app to start the car, uh, to lo remotely lock the doors, 
um, to have any sort of geolocation services, if it was stolen, all these kind of things through the through the GM uh, OnStar service and everything that comes along with it, as well as using it as a mobile hotspot and all these really cool features or even using the navigation features that are built in. You have to sign up for a subscription that the, the minimum monthly cost for that bunt, for the, all that is um, $40 a month. $40 yeah. a month. I don't pay <laughs> anything right now outside of you know, I don't pay that much for any kind of minimal type of service. Now, they're going to give me that for three months, totally free. And I'm going to get used to hauling our family around in this vehicle, having a Wi-Fi hotspot that their tablets and their phones are connected to. And it's going to get to a point where I can't live without it. And now they've got me for 40 bucks a month. And then they can increase it like Netflix started at $5 a month. Now it's like 15, mm-hmm. right? And it's just going to gradually get to a point and they're going to find a point where you bend, don't break. Once you break, okay, we're going to stay there. And we're going to keep pushing up against that. And now, I mean, I bought the vehicle one year used. So GM got no money from me on it, right? So they got that money from somebody else. But now they're getting they're going to be getting 40 bucks a month from me for the use of, you know, some tertiary. I could live without them, but I don't want to, right? <laughs> no. So, of course. It's happening. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I assume, yeah, uh, it could happen. But uh, I think still... Uh, the op- opportunity of for car makers to uh, make money from make money from uh, uh, software services is likely to be limited, uh, and that the uh, uh, business models of of um, the present uh, <clears throat> will uh, remain. Now that Tesla is also <clears throat> cutting the price on their uh, cars <clears throat> to um, well. To keep uh, other electric car companies out of the market or or reduce increase their market shares, um, Tesla, um, I think it's it's unlikely that uh, <clears throat> um, this development will make a real change to uh, to the cost of owning a car. Okay, I want to play through this a little bit because I want to bring in because you know the India market really well. You've lived there your whole life. What's the automotive market like in India? And are you starting to see EVs over there more often? Do people really like them? Are they excited about them? Is the government or social agencies, are they concerned about the impact of what what does it look like over there? Okay, so when we talk about India, you know, the consumer, they dictate the market, okay? Mm-hmm. Like in any any other any country. Free, any yeah, free but, democratic you know, like, society. Okay, but the thing is, in order for EV cars to gain access, you know, like get a hold in the Indian market, the product needs to be cheap. It needs to have, you know, like more mileage. It needs to be reliable. And, you know, like it needs to have an infrastructure in place. Like, okay, I know about in India here, you talk about, you know, like this car has like 200 miles or 400 miles, (laughs) you know, that doesn't work in India, especially where I live in Delhi. And some of the the roads aren't even paved. Hmm. Did you drive? No, no, no. All the roads are there. Everything yeah. is there. Okay. But because of the traffic jams, mm. even if the car has a 200 mile, you know, like... <laughs> you might only get five miles. Five miles. You know, because, you <laughs> yeah. know, you're stuck in the traffic jam. It takes, you know, over here, it takes 10 minutes to cover like 20 miles. In India, it takes like, you know, 40, 45 minutes to cover that 10 miles. So, 
I mean, the technology is not there right now. Okay, I, we are seeing more and more of, you know, like e- people are buying EV cars, but only those people are buying EV cars who have to travel, you know, very less distance, like, you know, maybe 10 miles in a day or 20 miles in a day. But if anyone want, is traveling more than, you know, 20 miles, they are not going for EV cars. Huh. The prices of EV cars in India is comparatively, you know, like less than, or it's a kind of, you know, equivalent to a, gasoline car i mean that's the they have done a really good job you know more and more companies are coming out with their you know ev products we have ev two wheelers most of the indian consumers these days who are not using you know like uh, two wheelers uh, for uh, their regular commute to office they are buying i you know buying ev two wheelers every household nowadays you know they will have at least one ev you know two wheeler but cars no we are not there yet because you know like okay first of all the infrastructure is not there the cost they have controlled the cost somehow but to support uh, you know the usage of an ev car the infrastructure i mean the main thing is infrastructure is not mm. there yes and um, i think to, uh, we're in a densely populated country like india you'll have also bigger issues with uh, um charging infrastructure and and yeah. uh, the the load on uh, on power grids i, the grid's I live in, be even in different in, there right yeah you know, you know like in, right now uh, almost like uh, in, in in the city that i live in almost yeah. every gas station has a ev charging Charger. station yeah. you know yeah. but it's it's I, there but it takes more time you know to charge your ev car then you know like it takes time to you know just fill up your tank and you know like leave the station yeah yes so the infrastructure the technology is not at that point that you know like if the whole of india like they're like we just saw that there are like if everybody got a car and plugged it in tomorrow yeah, yeah 326 <laughs> yes, million right. cars are there just cars i'm not talking about yeah. trucks i'm not talking about uh, buses i'm not talking about or two wheelers if all of them switch tomorrow we don't have the infrastructure to support yeah. that I, I live in sweden it's not very densely populated and we have there i, I spoke to uh, volvo trucks and they have there are stretches of, of motorway here in Sweden where 3,000 vehicles pass every day. Uh, in Germany, uh, and that will be a challenge because we expect here in Sweden that, the, uh, of course, 3,000 uh, trucks, there will be um, 10, um, 15,000 or 20,000 um, cars on that stretch. And that means we will need football fields of uh, of charges uh, along that road because not all cars will or trucks will need to charge but a certain uh, number of them will and in germany they have stretches of motorway where 30000 trucks pass every day and uh, well perhaps 100000 and i s- assume it's the same in uh, in the us uh, that you have that that type of, mo- of amount and to make the amount of electricity available on th- that type of of uh, road for all the cars that uh, that need to charge or all the cars that that w- would and trucks that would need to uh, um, drive along that that stretch if it had been electric um, electric road uh, system it's th- that would be a need for a tremendous amount of electricity and I, I assume in India you'd need much more than that because you have 
a lot more uh, densely populated areas and you also probably have less less uh, stable power systems I mean everything is there the power systems are more stable you know when you compare it to 10 years ago I mean we used to have lots of you know like power cuts and all that but in the last you know 5 6 7 years or in the last decade you know I have not seen power cuts like six maybe once in the six month and that mm. used to happen like almost every day you know mm. in 2000 from 2001 to 2010 but since 2010 the power cuts are not there so yeah and with the population and everything that we are talking about you know that's tremendous uh, tremendous you know like okay yeah, i don't even my, that blows my mind i like i've never lived in a place where that's <laughs> happened like when anytime where i've ever lived in the us if you lose power it's cuz something happened yeah. somebody hit a telephone pole in your area and power went off or will be back storm came knocked out power it's going to be back pretty soon blah 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 hurricane i've lived in texas that happens but it's never been because we ran out yeah. <laughs> or we <laughs> overloaded it or you know what i mean it's like there just ain't enough you need to turn off your TVs you need to turn off your lights you need to turn off your heat your ac because we're in bad shape now it's not just about you know like having the availability of power it's also about you know like with ev vehicles the time it takes to charge oh, sure you know I, I, i don't have time to you know like sit in the gas station you know like to charge my car for 45 minutes mats what convinced you i want to get into your head a little bit what <laughs> i know we're going to run out of time and maybe i i'm just going to stop time that's a new technology because i got so much i because i love the fact that you've put a lot of thought into this mats what convinced you to buy that renault ev well it it was basically the um, the range i got uh, from a new uh, renault and i also the the fact that i need to drive an electric car to learn more about them because i, ah, I write see? about it and and right. work with them yeah so it's, it's it's like a dentist who doesn't take care of his mouth or <laughs> yes. uh, a doctor who wants to tell you how to eat but they're severely overbese over you're like the people that you deal with are going to call call you and be like I'm not listening to you you're not even eating your own food right yes. so that's that's huge so what did you drive before you had an EV was this your first EV and uh, yeah well I've had two of those uh, the model before I had for 5 years and the oh. present one I've had now for a um, year and a half uh, and before that I had uh, well uh, gasoline car a diesel car uh, okay. I I still have a, a a gasoline car okay. uh, to complement okay. it because I live in the countryside and I often uh, ca- uh, drive big stuff uh, and yeah. I I I I really need to um, uh, drive a trailer and so on so you're still you weren't you you and I love the can I love the honesty there it's like hey I can't get completely off of this because there's what if scenarios right um so and that get and the reason I kind of Socratic method there into this is because I think what a lot of people struggle with is yeah there's realities of infrastructure not but I think ultimately it's it, it I was thinking about this while you guys were talking is I remember in like 2007 when the iPhone was announced and you know cell phones had already come a long way and a lot of people had sort sort of cut the cord to to phone companies in their house and things like that but a lot of people were still on the fence right like because up to that point cell phones were okay and they were getting better you had a blackberry but the blue buttons and clickies and the screen you could barely read it and but that technology the iphone changed the game it it was so far beyond even what was there in capabilities and it it um 
it bled over into other media like you could now play v- games like of high quality and you could now do apps that could, it's silliest things i remember my a, a buddy i worked with got an iphone and he showed me hey i can i can make this look like a lighter and when i move it around the lighter moves and if i blow into the speaker the lighter goes and i'm, I'm like so cool like and within <laughs> a couple months i had an iphone right it's useless but but like the technology got to a point where it was no longer a question of whether i would it's like when will i get this because I've got to have it. And I think a lot of people now, and if I look at internally at myself, it's like, man, I, I, it seems really cool, but I'm, it's, it's, I'm not there yet. You know, it's, it's, there has to be a tipping point or a shift and like, this is so much better. And I think Tesla's are cool and I love the, some of the stuff, but it's still not so much of a game changer to, to what it does for me. Cause ultimately we're selfish people and the way we live, we want to live a certain way because we've built a certain lifestyle and other people in the world that don't have even what we have are trying to get there. And you're going to tell, you're going to, we're going to tell these people they can't even get there. Now they got to wait to try to get way up. So I, I'm sorry, I rambled a little bit, but I think that the tech itself, the, right the the hardware the the cars themselves have to get to a point where it's like they're so good at what they do beyond what we've already got that that's going to make the shift because i i still think there's a lot of people that have convinced the impact of the world of carbon dioxide and monoxide is terrible but there's the whole other point of it like hey the world's gotten greener in the last few years yeah it's gotten a little bit warmer but it's better than getting colder because more people die from cold than they do of warmth so there's all this up and down and push and pull and stuff like that but I think the tech's got to get so good that people are just willing to walk away from the old tech like we did. I don't have a corded phone in my house. Probably used to have four, one in every room. (laughs) You know? Now I I literally have three cell phones. I'm trying to get rid of one, right? It's like, what the heck? Yes, and with cars, I think for many people, it comes back to the fact that you can get go 70 miles an hour. uh, You can get the air conditioning regardless of which car you have. And if you can get that 50% cheaper or 25% cheaper uh, in a gasoline car, uh, many people will choose that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd lo- I think the Tesla trucks look cool. They're very fur- futuristic, weird. I'd be a weird person that would buy it. But if I get that sucker and I've got remorse because it's not it's doing some cool stuff, but it's not doing the principal stuff I need it to do as good, if not better, than what I had before, then I'm just going to put it back on the market and yeah. get what I had before. I'm convinced we need to change. And I, I'm convinced the only alternative we have that's realistic is the battery electric cars. But it's um, we need to find a way. And there's a need for a lot more uh, or research and uh, development to go into the, the system aspects. Uh, what How much... Uh, infrastructure investment that will be needed and how much um, and how we can improve the uh, uh, cost effectiveness of the uh, electromobility systems because I don't think they will be as efficient uh, as they look today when we start to realize that we need to do a lot of investments. Yeah, you know what? This conversation just came full circle. That's where you started, and we went all <laughs> kinds of places in between, but we got back there. Hey, before we let you go, I want to learn a little bit about you, the person. What do you do in your personal life? What brings you joy? I know you work hard, and this is probably a passion of yours. But what do you what 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 do you like to do? What I like to watch uh, um, stand up comedy and oh. uh, sitcoms. 
Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite? Who's your favorite stand-up? Would it be someone we know, or is it somebody kind of local to to, um, to where you are? Chris Rock is good uh, okay. from the U.S. Uh, yeah. I we we watch a lot of uh, U.K. stand-up here in uh, Sweden, and uh, we get uh, BBC stuff okay. uh, on streaming services. So we get um, like. Uh, Michael McIntyre uh, from the UK, um, okay. and uh, uh, well, uh, many more uh, British ones. Uh, yeah, I love and, British uh, humor, especially like old 1980s British humor and stuff. <laughs> Alan Davis is a, yeah. a UK co uh, comedian. Um, they 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 have both um, uh, talk shows and and uh, well. Well, sitcoms and and uh, stand-up stuff with uh, a bunch of different uh, comedians. So, do you have a favorite sitcom? Yes, uh, it's called Black Books. It's uh, it's a British one with uh, a guy written by Dylan Moran and with uh, uh, well, <laughs> his name is. I forget his name, but there's a lady called Tamsin Grieg, uh, also starring in it, and, and so on. Yeah, that that's I'll really uh, out is there. Is that kind of super popular? There is that one of the most popular ones by you guys? Or no, 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 no. It's it's just uh, to you. It's your, a little it's obscure. Flavor. It's my favorite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. I, I like. What's popular uh, where you are? What is everybody like watching and talking about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I might be complete garbage, right? You might right. Well, but. I well. It, it, you, no one would know the Swedish ones. So I, I, I recorded a, a British podcast earlier today, and he said that uh, there's a, a, a soap opera called Coronation Street, where if if well, during the um, uh, advertising breaks, uh, the uh, electricity use goes up because everyone puts on their tea. Uh, tea kettles to uh, ah, to heat their, to their tea, uh, so so that's that. Coronation Street seems to be um, still very popular in in the UK, but um, it's uh, well, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I I'm because what I'm going to do is you're going to tell us, and and when we when we go live with this, I'm going to look them up and. Uh, you know, so I'm always interested in like what I asked Manny the same thing. What's it's very weird here at our office in the U.S. because we're connected to our offices in India. Like anytime I go on YouTube or go search the Internet, all the commercials come up are Indian. <laughs> so I know the best candy bars. Yep. I know the best, <laughs> you know, pharmaceuticals. You know, all all the different commercials come up from India. <laughs> I, I'd say British comedy. There's uh, Live at the Apollo. That's a stand-up comedy oh, yeah. show. There's QI. Um uh, which uh, is a well, panel show with uh, okay. comedians. Um, there's um, Would I Lie to You, which is uh, also a type of uh, comedian a comedy panel show. So uh, a lot of the different things we get on um, on BBC, um, the the British channels. One of the things my son got mo uh, got interested in recently it was a couple months ago. We found out they had some episodes on Amazon Prime. Was Mr. Bean. So I, yes. I remember being in high school in the 90s and our chemistry teacher would put on Mr. Bean after we got through all the lessons and everybody's just waiting around for the, the bell to ring. He'd put on Mr. Bean. So I, I'd seen it then, but he gets him so 
<laughs> just belly laugh rolling to see some of the like, especially the part when Mr. Bean's in his car and that blue three-wheel car comes like running around or and Mr. Bean does something and the car's upside down oh it's just crazy he loves it <laughs> yes uh, that's wonderful yep yeah. I, I really love uh, uh, British comedy uh, we uh, have a Rowan lot Atkinson. of good Swedish comedy as well but um, uh, I wouldn't mention them <laughs> to you because <laughs> <laughs> so do you go to live shows at all or do you get out yeah and see? we do yeah uh, Very cool. there are well we get all kinds of uh, uh of uh stand-up comedy here and uh, uh mostly swedish ones of course but once in a while we we get visited by by um uh british uh comedians as well yeah my wife and i love to watch dry bar comedy so it's it's the good comedians, but they kind of keep it clean. You know, we've got four kids, and we don't want all the bad language and stuff like that, even though it still makes us laugh. But I love dry bar comedy, so uh, you should check that out if you haven't <laughs> yeah. looked at that. It's really neat. You can find them. But anyway, um, are you a sports guy? Do you like any kind of sports or anything? Yes. Yes, I love a sport that uh, you don't have so much in uh, the U.S., handball. I, I come from a, a... I know about handball. You do? <laughs> I do. So yeah. I used to work at a boys and girls club, which is like a youth center kind of thing here, nonprofit. And they were associated with Nike back in the early 2000s. And they would they would send groups of kids to Nike camps, swoosh, swoosh camps. They were swoosh clubs. And these Nike camps, they weren't about the big popular sports in the U.S. It was, it was ultimate, which is with a fris, ultimate frisbee, handball, rugby water polo those kind of things so we we'd go and we got professional there was professional handballers there that were associated with nike that taught us how to play as adults and as the kids and i it was fun it was actually it's like a cross between basketball and you know uh you know football or soccer or whatever right but it, yeah it's really cool you can only you can dribble it a couple times and you can take a couple steps and just fire it <laughs> you gotta be it's pretty yeah. athletic and fast paced it's cool I was uh, I was born in a town where um, handball is really big. It's different in different uh, towns and yeah. cities here. Um, so um, it's and handball is is big in in a number of places in uh, southern Sweden. So and it's big in Germany, France, um, and across Europe. So it's it's I think it's the World Championships that that are going to be played uh, starting um, next week. That's yeah, a pretty neat sport. I don't know where I, outside of the internet, and I sometimes I forget it's even there. But I remember this was almost twenty years ago. I, was, I remember them sharing like handball was one of the like the second most popular sport in the world, or something like that. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. Man, that's it, it. Sounds sounds uh, so many countries weird. Play. <laughs> really weird. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a good sport. It's uh, it's really fast. Yeah. Cool. Manny's a cricket that. guy. Do you know anything <laughs> about cricket? <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, do you follow cricket? Uh, not much. It's a not British much. thing. It's a British thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a British, British thing, and British Empire anyway. thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> spreading it to the world. You know, hey Matt, Matt, you've given us a lot of time, and I don't want to take too much. Um, but this has been wonderful. I, I, I appreciate all the information you've shared. Um, you know, obviously, not going to matter if I say this or not, but carry on, my friend. Keep going. You know, keep learning. Uh, keep uh, keep fighting for what you believe to be a, a good way uh, and a good a good course of action moving forward. Because I have a feeling um, we'll get there someday, whether it's the way we think it is right now or it's not. Uh, but we need we need people like you 
doing what you're doing. So we really appreciate you joining us on the on the business line. Manny, anything from you? No, that's good. I mean, you know, like good. Okay. Thank bud. you very much. Thank you're you for welcome. having me.